I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell. And you are listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. This week on Pop It, we're on site at Bull Mansion with Patrick Joslin, also known as Joslin Fox, from season six of RuPaul's Drag Race, and Joshua Crook of Action by Design and Love Your Labels, an organization dedicated to making us feel unique and united in our own skin in the queer AF, do I say queer AF? I can't swear on this, right? Yeah. But is yeah. that how you've been saying it too? AF. Yeah, we. it stands for art and fashion. Uh, oh, I see. Art and fashion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of course it queer does. AF. And it's set to take place on March 1st. So we'd love to hear about your fashion show and so what has gone into that. Yeah. Absolutely. So this is our second one, actually. We did the first one in August, which Molly yes, walked I in. Which was wonderful. And we actually organized the last one in like four or five weeks. It like came together really fast. And then one of our designers kind of pushed us and prompted us to do a a March show, um, Sam Donovan. So thanks, Sam, for... Yes. Make it seasonal. Exactly. So um, we are doing the show a second time. The whole focus is on inclusivity and representation across intersectional identities, which really aligns with the vision and focus of Love Your Labels as an organization as we work to kind of fight and advocate for people fighting for acceptance and visibility. Um, one of the things that we really kind of are passionate about as it relates to Queer AF is how fashion and entertainment need to be more representative of people across identity. That's gender identity, sexuality, uh, age diversity, body diversity, yes, people with varying ability, exactly, Um, as well as, you know, race and ethnicity as well. So our models this year are like very, very representative kind of across the board. And we're really excited for our performers. Uh, Patrick is performing as Jocelyn, which everyone's very excited about. So I don't know if you want to talk to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited because I have been lucky enough to be able to travel a lot uh, performing and meeting fans all over the world, but um, Worcester is so very important to me and I haven't had a lot of opportunity to perform here. So I'm super, super excited for this. I'm excited to be part of something that is kind of just forward moving uh, along with where a lot of other things around the country and world are going. And why not Worcester? Worcester is very fast becoming um, right up there with some of the bigger cities. So this is an exciting thing to be part of. And there's an after, like an after party, right? That you're yes. hosting. I'm DJing the after DJing party. That. Yes, multi-talented. It's so fun. <laughs> yes, that will be really fun. Um, I've been DJing for 12 years, and it's it's fun to be able to integrate my drag persona into it. I think that's kind of the goal for me is to do it all at once. And this is one of those opportunities where I'll be DJing as Jocelyn Fox. So DJ Jocelyn Fox in the house. Yes. Yes, we're so we're so excited because that's at Airspray, which is like bi-monthly queer dance party um, that is hosted at Electric Haze, which we're now involved with helping program and, and plan, uh, which has been really exciting as well. Molly and I are frequent attendees yes, of Airspray. Yes, we love Airspray. <laughs> yes, I'm super excited. We're doing the third Fridays are themed now every month. Because yes. it's it's the first and third Friday now. Right? First and third so Fridays. Third uh, that's very exciting. So we have talked a lot about professional culture on this show. And I know you were just saying that you've been trying to streamline some of your interests. Yes, absolutely. So my background's in user experience design for technology products, so building software, mobile apps, that type of thing. A couple of years ago, I saw an opportunity to apply that UX process to community development and growth and started a nonprofit in Worcester focused on inclusive, resident-powered community growth and change. Um, all of that kind of culminated into me launching a 
consulting company called Action by Design, which is focused on program design and campaign development, like Love Your Labels. And Love Your Labels is really kind of my biggest passion project that does fit under the umbrella of what Action by Design does as an organization. And so Love Your Labels being a, a full kind of suite of campaign activity, both from events like Queer AF, which we're really excited for, as well as programs like our upcoming youth program. So um, Queer AF actually is a fundraiser. While it, people aren't going to feel like they're at a fundraiser, it's like a great nightlife event. But the all the proceeds from the event are going to our youth program, which is using fashion design as a lens, fashion design classes as a lens to discuss gender identity, sexuality, individual expression, and breaking down bias, stigma, and shame that are often associated with a lot of those labels and help youth build the capacities to support other people within their environments who might be struggling for acceptance. Now, who has done all of the styling and things that will go yes. into the fashion show? So this year, we're so excited to announce our partnership with Page Boy um, in Worcester, which is a local salon that got started. Uh, and Carissa and her team are amazing. And when we talked to them about this, they were so excited for the opportunity to do all of the styling for our models of hair, makeup, all that. And they stuff. just opened up their like brick and mortar recently. Right? They did in Kelly Square. I've been driving by it lately. I've been, I joined the fish share at Stillman, the new marketplace that's right next door. (laughs) So I like go in on Saturday to get my fish or whatever. And it's always packed. And then the other night I drove by and it was packed for a comedy event. And I thought this is so much more than just a, a salon, right? Yeah. I'm really excited for them to be part of the Worcester community and like really have that space because they are very community centric and focused and they really resonated with our mission for increased representation and they create a very safe space for people across all intersections of identity to feel comfortable and welcome in their salon, which is really powerful. It's for people who want to get like gender variant hairstyles or just something different from Maybe what's expected, right? And exactly. sort of that's part of their mission. Exactly. Yeah. Part of their mission is like innovative hairstyling to match the unique personalities of their clientele, which is amazing. So who's actually going to be dressing all of your models? Mm. Yes. So our designers this year, very exciting. So we have a returning designer from our show last year, Sam Donovan, who is on two seasons of Project Runway. Uh, he was on Under the Gun as well as uh, season six of Project Runway All-Stars, which is exciting. We have another Project Runway alumni um, coming to the show who works under the brand Pretty Snake. Uh, So we're really excited for Joe to be part of the show this year as well. Another brand that is going to be showcasing looks in the show is Cosmic Unicorns. They do a lot of really funky, glittery, shiny, flashy type designs that like Paris Hilton wears in, you know, parties DJing in Ibiza and things like that. Um, We also have a local design duo that was just featured in Pulse Magazine's 2019 People to Watch called The Force. uh, And they do a lot of like cool urban streetwear style designs. And then we have Gerald Hopper, who's a New York City based designer who's going to be traveling here for the show. Wow. How did you make all those connections? A lot of Instagram outreach, to be (laughs) be honest. We get a lot of um, we have a lot of interaction, like for ourselves. Yeah, we had Instagram some influencers on a couple yeah. weeks ago who had, you know, I don't know, twenty five thousand followers, and one of them 
her name is Dana and she grocery shops and she posts pictures of her cart and then makes food, you know, and she's got 25,000 people constantly interacting with her. And she said, the best thing that you can do to make connections all over the country is respond. And she writes back to everyone. Well, and you know, what's crazy. And I said this to like my committee as well, as we have a great volunteer group of committee members who are helping make this show a reality. And, you know, some of them are like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of cautious to reach out to someone who is this level of celebrity or something. And I'm like, honestly, they might not respond, but the best case scenario is that they do. And we've, you know, experienced a lot of that as we've been planning this show, Um, not only from the designer vantage point, but also from, from models as well. We have one of the I'm confident enough to say this on the show now because we're like 99% there with coordinating logistics, but we have um, one of the the first male model on America's Next Top Model, as well as one of the first visibly queer models on that show who's going to be coming down from New York for it as well. So nice that Worcester is like, it's, I think, very rare to have a city our size as close as we are to Boston, the mother city of New England, and then also as close as we are to New York. It's two and a half hours, you know, and a 20 minute flight on JetBlue. Which is amazing. I've taken that flight multiple times now and it's so convenient and it's, yeah, it's really awesome. One of the really cool things last time being kind of behind the scenes or um, backstage of the first Queer AF show was um, I walked for AJ, Amanda Sitaro of Sweet Jane's, but um, Sam was there. And I remember walking into Electric Haze where the first show was and he was literally sewing like that afternoon and it was amazing because I was like what is going on and he was like sewing the clothes onto the models like it was absolutely incredible to just like see it in real life sort of because I feel like I watched Project Runway (laughs) Um, and so you get used to them like doing stuff like that so it was very cool to see that process sort of just like from a closer proximity yeah it's it's been fascinating the turn Love Your Labels has taken with its like work in fashion because I am not into the fashion space really at all. And so I've been learning a lot. And Sam, like just, we connected because of Queer AF. Someone reached out and said, hey, I know this designer who was on Project Runway. He's local. Maybe he would like to feature work in your show. And so I connected with Sam and we kind of became friends right off the bat, but it was through the lens of working on Query F. And Sam is actually going to be our educator and helping to develop our curriculum for our youth program, which is so amazing to be able to bring fashion design education to like local and regional youth and here in Worcester with someone like Sam. Did he grow up in Central Mass? He did. He grew up, I think like Medway or Medfield or one of the M's like in in mass. I do that too. I noticed Josh was like using his hands to locate a space. I do that all the time. Like if I'm thinking like north, I'm like, okay, here. Yeah, exactly. I'm like upper so right of Massachusetts. Yes. <laughs> so we mentioned Project Runway and America's Next Top Model. Yes. You kind of had to do both of those things on RuPaul's right. Drag Race. Yeah. What was more challenging for you? Um, I mean, I know... I remember going into it knowing that RuPaul's Drag Race was kind of a culmination of all of the competition reality shows. We had to do a little bit here and there with all of the maxi challenges and whatnot. But that was the fun of it. And I always said it was like a seminar and we got to have these opportunities to do things that we might not ever do again. Um, But as far as the fashion went, walking the runway was always nerve wracking, but it was really fun. and, And that was what we were there for. I've always been a live performer and you don't really have that opportunity on Drag Race until 
you are in the bottom two and you have to lip sync. So my chance to perform was walking down the runway. So I always had a good time with that. Definitely struggled with the the project runway aspect of it, of, of sewing. And um, I did have some fun in the first episode, maybe a little too loud of a costume, but I definitely used everything in my box and <laughs> made something that kind of spoke to my personality. And then the challenge when I was eliminated, that was when I had to make a wedding dress. And I was overly ambitious and I made myself a mother of the bride dress. So I definitely had, um, I had the practice in those challenges to, to do that. But walking the runway was much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> the like reward part of it almost. Yes, absolutely. You work and work and work and then you get to show it off. Yes. I wanted to ask you about pronouns when we talk about Patrick and we talk about Jocelyn. Yeah, what is your preference and just moving forward in this conversation? I'm always asked that question and um, I really don't have a preference, but I'll say what RuPaul says. You can call me he, you can call me she, you can call me Regis and Kathy Lee, as long as you keep calling. (laughs) Perfect. Mm -hmm. Who was your favorite judge that you got to see during the duration of season six? Oh, definitely um, Eve and uh, Trina. That was a challenge I had a lot of fun with. It was the rap challenge and... um, I just had a fun, easy time writing my rap, and I was the first one of the day to go. And I remember just, in my mind, nailing it and seeing Eve and Trina get real quiet. And they both said, well, that was perfect, but you've got a few more takes if you want to do it. And my first thought was, this is going to be an easy day. Everyone's going to have a real easy time because that was nothing. But most people, most of the other queens really struggled that day. So it was a long day going first and you know having my verse out of the way. When it came time to... Uh, you know, be judged. Eve was was really nice and she gave me some good critiques and um, I even got to do one of her raps for her, which was a cool moment. Uh, but she definitely was, she was, they were the two that actually came backstage and, um, you know, congratulated us and said hi. So they were really the only judges that we got to kind of interact with one-on-one. A lot of them were like in and out. In and out, you know. Um, but Neil Patrick Harris also um, and David Burke, they were amazing. And they actually got yelled at for talking with me. We were in close proximity, um, <laughs> the judges table in the runway. Get a little chatty. Oh, they were just, they just seemed to really get a kick out of me. And they were just chatting with me. And then Michelle Visage yelled at them and said, MPH, we don't talk to the talent. Um, and then, you know, in that challenge, it was when I um, had made the the wedding dress for my bride and he got very sick and he ran off stage to throw up. And I just remember Neil Patrick Harris scrambling behind the judges table to find his bottle of water and ran off and gave it to the guy. So he's genuinely a really, really nice guy. And he's Team Fox. So good to know. (laughs) So one thing that I noticed just in the first couple of episodes, the age politics that seemed to go on, Mm -hmm. where there was a big division in how old all of the different queens were. Um, how old were you when you taped the show and how much did that play into the, I guess, the culture on set? I was 26. Um, you know, there, there were some veterans there. Vivacious was, um, definitely older and had been doing drag for so long and was well known in New York city. Um, same with Bianca Del Rio. I was very green. I'd been doing drag for probably six or seven years at that time. And um, it still was, I was green, even though it wasn't new for me. I, you know, I hadn't had a, as much experience as some of the older queens had. And um, I don't think I kind of looked at that um, in a negative way. I, I found opportunities to learn from them and um, absorb their knowledge and what they had seen and um, their different styles because they were older. Um, I definitely see in some of the newer seasons, 
the, that is very different too. So I, I don't know if really age kind of, um, it doesn't always play um, that part. It's, all, it's not always good or bad, but it's definitely neat that you see a wide range of age um, on the show. I think it's like... Yeah, any, I mean, you know, anybody can do drag. You're never too old for drag. I hope I, I'm doing it until I'm 90. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, it's, I mean, it's like any art form, right? Mm -hmm. Like I always think of like rap and hip hop. Mm -hmm. It's always like the old heads, so they'll say, right? And like they'll look at the younger kids and be like, what's this? Like this sounds, you know, crazy. And so I think it's it's the evolution of that, right? So like you said, right. you can even see looking now on the newer seasons, it's even evolved a little bit more. Yes, drag has definitely evolved. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even when I filmed my season, there was a definite difference of opinion of what was drag and what wasn't. And that's, you know, way more now with the more current seasons, um, definitely new rules of drag. But it makes us all remember that there are no rules to drag and that's what makes drag so cool. Yeah. And I mean, even I just think like now, I mean, you think of like the 80s or, you know, even earlier than that, 70s, 80s, 90s, like there weren't many if, you know, in a lot of households, no one knew the names of any drag queens. Mm -hmm. um, Divine was like, you know, a John Waters superstar back in the six, 70s, 80s, but then and then RuPaul. But like for a long time, no one that was it. Like those were the only touchstones. And so I think to see now it's such like a cult phenomenon where now it's like there are many drag queens who are household names or who that right. people just like really and know. This year's the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots and that riot was started by a drag queen. Yes. So um, there definitely was a presence and uh, it's neat 50 years later that drag is so celebrated. Um, but I, I think it's important to remember that there was a rebellion to it, that yeah. that was what um, was kind of the, the basis of what drag was. And it it was kind of making you think by poking fun at gender norms. So it's important for especially the, the younger audience, um, even if they aren't a drag queen, but somebody who is an audience of a drag queen, whether it's on Drag Race or at a local bar, just to, to understand the history yeah. of, of drag and what it plays into history of LGBT that. Yeah, the history of drag. I actually, my company is releasing a podcast this year called Experiences Podcast. And one of the episodes is about power, perception, gender expression, presentation, and how that, you know, influences kind of society and culture. And we talked with a professor who teaches a class called The History of Drag from Shakespeare to RuPaul, which is really fascinating yeah. about how drag has kind of elevated to this position of like entertainment iconography now with with RuPaul's Drag Race and things like that but he goes into how there are so many different iterations and versions of drag like throughout history and time that are some that are a little bit different from kind of the the Rue drag culture as well and like how that's kind of played in society over the past decades and it's really interesting right because you don't even like I don't even think of like I know that all of those Shakespeare plays like that was high art and I always forget or I don't forget I know that the men played all the roles but you don't like I don't associate it with drag because then it was just like what they did but it is it's literally what it is so right. that's that's a very fascinating it connection. It was misogynistic then right well yeah it was awful. Allowing women to right perform. Like, you can't act <laughs> right <laughs> right but yeah I wouldn't I hadn't even made that connection even though that's like exactly what it is and I think this is a nice intersection, too, of what both of you are doing, but as a performer and then also as an advocate through Love Your Labels in the professional workspace. Because I know you have a day job aside from just being a performer. How did your employer react to the fact that not only um, you were going on a reality show, which I think my boss would have had 
problems with. She probably would have been like, Sarah, I don't know about this. Will it be good for the school? Will it be good? You know? Yeah. Um, but then also just putting yourself out there as a performer. Uh, I, I had been auditioning for RuPaul's Drag Race for four years, so everybody... At, oh, they knew, uh, yeah. <laughs> very familiar with uh, what I was up to and how desperately I wanted to get onto the show. And, of course, once you're on the show, you can't talk about it. You're under a contract. So I had to kind of just disappear for a month. Everybody knew where I was because I was very open and, and you know, involving with all of my friends at work about what I was up to. So, But I, I went and did it, and I did my thing, and I traveled the world, and... I found myself kind of bored in between gigs, and I ended up going back to my day job, which is the sole proprietor in Worcester. And um, I've been there ever since. So 12 years I've been there. And it's there, you know, it, I'm celebrated there for it. Um, it's funny when fans will come in and recognize me and they can't make the connection. But yeah, no, it, I'm still waiting to get on the Souls billboard, but. <laughs> that seems like a no brainer. Right, why wouldn't they capitalize Rob, on that? Madeline, yeah. I, I used to, I had joked when I, in my audition process, and then I, I did it again um, on the show that I was serving fish day and night because it is, this, of course, a seafood restaurant. I was going to say, there's the whole fish thing. Yes, that so cross promotion. So exit 17 billboard any day now. <laughs> I it's think coming. so. Yeah. And Josh, you know, you find yourself in lots of meetings at the seat of the table all the time with these stuffy business people, if you don't mind me saying it. You know, those city hall types. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I walked in today and you have an amazing pair of heels on. You look yes. so professional and handsome and awesome, but you're not dressed like a lot of those people that I see across the street at City Hall. How do you carry yourself in a meeting and still be you? Yeah. And, and you know, to be honest, Love Your Labels has really helped kind of with my own confidence of how I express and how I present um, myself in my day-to-day environment. And as a business owner, which I know a lot of people can resonate with, you're always kind of conscious of how you're presenting, what you're saying in boardrooms, especially as a young business owner. I find myself in a lot of boardrooms and meetings with people, you know, 50 plus who have been in the industry for for many, many years. You see a lot of white men in suits is, you know, kind of the classification of people. And so, I was just going to say ill-fitting or not tailored suits. <laughs> well, and so it's so interesting because going back to the conversation about the history of drag performance and things like that, the professor that we interviewed for uh, down at your site as college um, talks about how he has this concept of professor drag and how he had this notion, him himself is a drag queen, but and he teaches the history of drag. And up until a couple of years ago, he had never taught a class in drag because he for whatever reason, didn't think it was appropriate. He didn't think it would be perceived in a certain way. And he's kind of started saying, well, why do why do I feel that way? I'm teaching about how drag is this ability to kind of take power and ownership of your own identity and express components of yourself um, in a way that kind of people need to pay attention to. And he felt like he started calling his professor appearance professor drag because he was like I'm dressing how people think a professor should look I'm wearing a suit and I'm wearing pants and I'm wearing a tie but that isn't the true representation of who I am either so like that in and of itself is a kind of a drag performance as you will so over the past like 
year plus as I've been kind of coming into understanding a lot of these components, as well as people looking to love your labels as this, this outlet where they can start feeling more confident and comfortable with who they are. I'm like, okay, I need to practice what I preach. I like, I'm going to just start wearing what I want and like walking into these rooms with the full knowledge that sometimes those people are going to look at you differently or you might not land a job because of their perception of of like a male presenting person with a beard and heels walking into that to that space but i think it's so important for people with in the queer community women people of color like all people who have been kind of oppressed and marginalized over the history of time to really be visible and kind of claim that visibility when they come into these spaces so that's been really eye-opening for me from running Love Your Labels as an organization is my own growth and development as we're kind of encouraging others to to be who they are. Well, I appreciate even your patience with me. I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty progressive lady, but I'm like, <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm saying the right thing and the phrasing this right way. And it's so new that's to everyone. Yeah. Well, and that's such a good thing. And I, I'm glad you brought that point up because so many people that we talk to are like, I don't feel comfortable asking, but I don't know. And I feel like ignorant in this. And like for a large, the largest majority of people, especially people who are in the trans, like trans or in drag communities or things like that, your intention is, if your intention is good, people really appreciate the conversation and they really appreciate being asked because for so often they're like, if you think about the other side of that, if you don't kind of ask these questions and you find yourself not engaging with people because they look a certain way or they're, they're different and people don't feel you know, they know how to best interact with them. That's a large majority of people. So they really, it's really appreciated when people kind of ask those questions. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's a good thing. (laughs) Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to MassFoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's MassFoodies.com. Oh, is there anything left on the cutting room floor? Oh, that you like wish that you made wish it? wish was in there. Yes. Uh, there was, we, we had filmed um, the Rusical, which was, we, we did our own like Broadway musical. And I remember rehearsing with Milk from season six in the workroom and something just came over us and we, we just belted out, oh, what was it? The song from Sister Act, like I Will Follow Him. rendition of it we did it like we did it the the church version and then into like the breakdown and just like top to bottom the two of us just went and I just remember the cameramen just all swarming in and just making sure they filmed the whole thing and we knew that it would never get aired but I would love to see that footage (laughs) I think we should take a second to talk about Bull Mansion where we're taping today and this is also the venue for your show why did you choose this space and what makes it so unique 
Well, first, Bull Mansion is an amazing, beautiful venue in this old mansion in downtown Worcester for people who have not been. Um, primarily, uh, Vicky Mariano and the ownership team here is amazing. Um, you know, we work with them. Our last show is at Electric Haze, which is Vicky's other endeavor. Um, and our after party is at Electric Haze this time. And she's been such a vocal advocate of for the community. And uh, the space is just an ideal, an ideal space. It has a nice big ballroom space. We have our VIP and sponsor reception in the bar area downstairs uh, prior to the event, which we're really excited about. And so it's just a, it's a great venue. It's very beautiful. Yeah. It was built in 1876 and it still kind of feels like you're wandering through somebody's home from 1876. <laughs> Are there ghosts here? And my history on this is probably going to be wrong, but I believe that this mansion was built as a gift for the daughter of either Smith or Wesson of Smith and Wesson like guns. Oh, so it is haunted. It probably is haunted. Like the Winchester house. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I think it was like a wedding gift to one of their daughters, which is kind of cool. That's fascinating. Yes. Also, now we're all just looking around for ghosts. And you know what? If you did, it's a great story and we're happy to pass it on. (laughs) Perfect. There is a, a memorial in the next room, and it lists a whole bunch of veterans. I think, is it World War I? We'll, we'll run in there and check in a second. But, <laughs> uh, but when we were here, our very first time I ever came here was during powwow. And mm-hmm. I know you were one of the organizers the first year, so it was probably on your account, Josh, that we ended up here. But uh, somebody came up to us and said, you know, if you touch one of the names, he will appear or something. <laughs> we were all like, <laughs> but it was just some nice old man playing a joke on us. <laughs> so I think that night, was that the night too that um, you, me and Jasper, we like found like a giant mirror in, in like one of the rooms nearby yeah. and we like did like a <laughs> photo shoot. Yeah, there's just so many intricate little like really cool dark stuff. corners if you wander around, you know, you find new rooms every time you're here. There's a rose <laughs> underneath a glass that's like slowly wilting. In the West Wing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I told you never to go to the West Wing, Molly. <laughs> so we talk a lot about weddings on this show as well. It's a $60 billion industry nationwide every year. And the average wedding in Worcester costs $38,000, which is crazy to me. But I saw that you had a very unique wedding. Patrick, can you tell us about the proposal and who married you? Yes. Um, so I um, was in a relationship for 10 years and we had the longest engagement because I was, of course, auditioning uh, every year for a drag race. And I always said I want to get married in the summer, but I knew that it filmed in the summer. So I didn't want to plan the wedding for the summer and I have to cancel just to disappear to Mexico to find a baby when really I was filming RuPaul's Drag Race. So um, just kept putting it off every year. And by the time we were filming the uh, reunion, we were back in L.A. and they had this grand idea to plan a secret surprise wedding behind my back. And my boyfriend at the time, no, I'm sorry, fiance, he came down the aisle towards the microphone and I'm thinking, now is not the time to go to the bathroom and you're going the wrong way. Like, wait till a commercial. So I had no idea, no idea it was coming. Um, and so he suggested that we get married right there because I made it on Drag Race. I had no excuse to put it off anymore. And RuPaul is an ordained minister, so... RuPaul married us on TV. It was pretty cool. The neatness thing was when um, they legalized uh, gay marriage in California, World of Wonder shared that video and it kind of went viral that day and it seemed to become 
kind of a neat visual of um, the celebration of gay marriage. And I don't think there, I think that was the first um, televised gay marriage, I'm pretty sure. Wow. That's, That's amazing. amazing. I've done my research. I have yet to find another one. And I loved it because he stands right up on the microphone. He goes, hello, I'm Andre from Worcester. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> from Worcester. So is there anything you haven't had a chance to talk about yet that you have coming up that you want to make sure makes it onto the show? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm very excited to have a DJ gig back in Worcester. That was how I got my start. That was how I got my first taste of drag was, uh, was DJing um, for a drag show. And it was suggested that I DJ in drag. And so it's kind of funny how I'm coming full circle because now I'm getting back into that DJing in drag, um, which I will, of course, be doing March 1st after the um, Query F show, Love Your Labels, here at Bull Mansion. Um, I'll be doing the Airspray After Party, DJing as Jocelyn. After I perform here, I'll be over at Electric Haze. But the first and uh, third Friday of every month, DJ Patrick Allen, another one of my alter egos, DJs at Airspray, and I've been having so much fun with it. And um, just the crowd is wonderful. You know, it's I've missed it so much, and we have such a good time. And every Friday night, it's I remember, you know, it's time to stop playing music, and I'm like, just one more, please. So <laughs> we really do have a great time. So I've I've been super excited getting music ready every two weeks for that. Uh, we do have some really fun themes coming up. We did a '90s night for the second time, and that's always a a big hit. But I'm looking forward to an 80s night and a disco night. Disco. I'm also looking forward to disco yeah, yeah. night. My very first DJ gig when I was 18, it was they they uh, asked me to play disco, and I remember them like trying to sell me on it, and I was like, disco is my favorite. Yeah, me too. That will be a really fun night. I expect everyone wearing afros and roller skates. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I I'm looking forward to a LGBT um, exhibit at the Worcester Historical Museum that I'll be featured in. I did a really fun interview with Professor Tobin from Clark University at the Historical Museum last week um, just to tell my story of how I've come from Worcester and I'm back in Worcester and I love Worcester and I, I always joke that Worcester's my boyfriend and <laughs> when people want to knock Worcester I say don't talk shit about my boyfriend. Um, I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> only we can do that. That's what, that's what I always say. I'm like only we can like Say bad things about Worcester. You can't. No. Um, and then I also, I don't know if it's too early to mention it, but I, I did receive word over the weekend that I've been nominated for Person of the Year um, with New England Pride TV. So Congratulations. Yes. And that's yeah, Dale Page's production. Yeah, so. Oh, that's awesome. You know, when it rains, it pours. I expected the year to start off kind of quiet for me and I could just kind of regroup my calendar and just everything's coming at me at once. And the best part is that it's all about Worcester. And um, it's always been very important to me to um, stay in Worcester and, and be able to travel the world and bring it all back to Worcester and um, be part of all of the exciting new changes I see happening. So I'm, I couldn't be happier right now. It's all happening. Yes. 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 And Everything's how about you, Josh? Up, Jocelyn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. Should be a performance number. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Buy your tickets for Queer AF March 1st. As uh, Patrick said, Bull Mansion, uh, we're really excited. On top of our uh, designers and uh, models that we talked a little bit about, we also have performers. Uh, we have 
Jocelyn, as well as where we have a collaboration between Worcester City Sirens and uh, Trailer Park Girls, which is a Providence-based drag group um, who are going to be performing at the show, as well as a local musician, Juliana Durazio, which we're really excited for. Uh, we also have a visiting artist coming from New York who's a photographer who does a whole series on gender fluidity and challenging the binary of masculine and feminine, which is really exciting. So tickets, uh, I would encourage people to go to our website at loveyourlabels.org, as well as follow us on Instagram at love your dot labels. And is there a link in your bio there too to the there is, yep. Website or the tickets? Yes. Yep, there is. And tickets get you in free to the after party at Electric Haze. Hot tip. Yes. Good to know. Exactly, yeah. So all tickets will get you in the door at Electric Haze with uh the cover waved. Ah. Worth it. Yeah. Worcester is so cool now. It'll be a cool night. Yeah. And uh, keep an eye out for our upcoming youth program. You know, so if listeners have kids that they want to have a name yet or is it? We're working on that. We're currently working through that, but working on the branding. Yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Fabulous. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Molly and I are both teachers by day. So any sort of youth programming also always perks my ears up. love the children. (laughs) So I have a couple of would you rathers. And they're all based on judges who you met during season six. Would you rather go to a water park with Khloe Kardashian or Neil Patrick Harris? Oh, Neil Patrick Harris. And the, ki- yeah. and the twins. In a wet bathing yeah. suit. No, David can stay home with the kids. Oh. What See, I'd trade for David. <laughs> I think I would also trade for yeah. David. Okay. Even though I love yeah. NPH, David is like, David's- bae. So is this unanimous then? We're going with Doogie Hazard. Yeah, Chloe's yeah. staying home, apparently. <laughs> Would you rather sing karaoke with Paula Abdul or Eve? Oh, my God. That's hard. That is hard. Paula Abdul said I had the best legs that she's ever seen in her life, which was the coolest thing because <laughs> I grew up as a dancer and I loved Paula Abdul and Janet Jackson. Um Karaoke would be fun with her. No, I definitely think karaoke would be fun with Eve. I think we would pick some fun songs and... Yeah, she could sing like she could sing, and then I would do her raps. <laughs> Switch it up. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you two? Oh God, I have no clue. Pro- mm. I might go Paula. I was I was gonna say I might go, go Paula, Paula as well. Because so yeah, I feel like I could see <laughs> us like back to back. I also feel like she'd be a really fun karaoke date. Yeah. Like I feel like we'd have like ten mai tais before like <laughs> yeah, singing, absolutely. and she would totally lip sync her karaoke though. I think that oh. Paula and I would have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could be MC Scat Cat. You could yeah. go to Cafe Neo. <laughs> could you imagine we go up to the DJ and it's like, we know this is karaoke, but can you play a Paula Abdul song where she's, she's singing, like along. in the track? <laughs> Would you rather go to the grocery store for grocery shopping with Adam Lambert or Jamie Presley? Jamie Presley, for sure. Oh, my goodness. Me too. She seems like such a she sweetheart. Would, she'd put like the most ridiculous things in my cart and I would just go before it. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. I liked um, My Name is Earl. Yeah, that was a fun show. She is also on that show. She's in a with bunch of Summer Roberts from the OC. Yes, Heart of, Heart of Dixie. Dixie. Yeah. <laughs> I think Adam came to Worcester once for a performance, actually. Yes. Right. Yes, and he went to. I think he went to the mailbox. I think he did because I think a friend of mine went on a date with him that night. I loved Adam. I remember being very upset at that. That was like one of the last seasons of American Idol that I that I sort of like was still in my periphery, and I remember being like very. Angry Who was the person the that won that year? Chris Allen. Yeah. He's lucky I remember his name. 
Oh, oh man. He did like a he did like a bad acoustic cover of Heartless and then everyone was like, "Oh my god." And it was like <laughs> I remember going on a rant after that being like this is queer bias. I really think like, like he made it, they were like, you can make it this far, but you still can't win. Like that's what it, it did feel like that at the time. Yeah. And now one of them's in queen. So. So who really won? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like the J HUD season. Yes. (laughs) So I'm curious if anything's been going on with Rosie O'Donnell this week, Molly. Um, So she has been posting pictures of her, um, performances and rehearsals for the music man she's in the music man at the kennedy center right now which is very exciting to me (laughs) because i love all the other people in it also do the two of you know about (laughs) rosie o'donnell's connection to us yes worcester cop love i also am trying to date a worcester cop oh yeah (laughs) my idea first you guys can double i started it i know rosie if you're listening introduce us to uh bachelors at the worcester police department hashtag rosie come and pop it hashtag rosie find find cop boyfriends hashtag get yourself a boy who can do both (laughs) but yeah so that's been really exciting she's got like this she plays like an like someone who's even a little older and more matronly or than she is right like she's like pretty she's pretty sprightly and fierce and stuff but she's you know she plays an older lady and so she's got her hair all done and she looks fabulous do you guys have any inside scoops for us we keep trying to track her every move on social media but i haven't had any actual sightings of her here in the city i heard that she's building a house on lake quincy i heard that too we heard that yeah i even went paddle boarding around the perimeter (laughs) just to see we have also been spreading looking for rosie o'donnell construction signs somewhere i remember um an episode of, I don't know if it was an episode of Oprah or what, but it was Star Island in Miami where Rosie had a house and Gloria Estefan had a house and like they picked up Gloria on a boat. Like she was just out in her yard. It's going to be us. Maybe it was Kathy Griffin. I don't remember. But like, I know that like she likes to live on the water. Yes. She has posted posted pictures of the water. Like we don't know where it is, but like she has posted pictures of her kids and stuff around the water. Well, we're hot on the case. So <laughs> thank you so much to both of you for all of the work that you're doing for contributing to the cultural and political landscape. You know, uh, I feel like I see you everywhere, Josh. So keep up the wonderful work. And now that we've met officially, I'll see you everywhere, yes. Patrick, because that's how it works. We're yeah. so excited. <laughs> um, and just I feel like just helping to make Worcester a more welcoming space. Right. Mm-hmm. Catching up. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a great chat. Yes. Um, should we, should we, I have been. Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I have been Molly. And I have been Sarah. And this was Pop It. Mass Foodies curates exclusive events and publishes thought-provoking content for the food-centric person. When asking yourself where to eat tonight, turn to massfoodies.com to see what's happening in the Massachusetts food scene. That's massfoodies.com.